I told the guys this morning, I, I don't know if we're going to kick this series off. Um, but this morning it may be a prequel. Um, I'm working on a series entitled CIA. And it's Christ in Action. And my prayer through this is not to introduce Christ to you. but to introduce you to Christ. And if Lord willing, I'm going to take us from Genesis to Revelations. Because so many times, more often than not, we forget that Jesus had everything to do with creation. The Bible said that everything that was made was made by him. And without him, there was nothing made that was made. So I'm going to try to thread this thing all the way through the Word. And uh, hopefully by the end of it, we've come to recognize Christ differently than what we once did. How many of you know you're not perfect? How many of you know there's always something to learn about Jesus? If you think you know everything that you need to know about Jesus today, this message and this series is not going to be for you. Matter of fact, I'd like to invite you to my office so that you can help me study and to get my facts correct as we go through this. If you've got your Bibles, let's go and turn to Matthew 16, starting at verse 13. This is coming from the New American Standard. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea, Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah. But still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I fear that of what we know about Jesus has been passed down through generations. We've been taught through the theology of men based on what they believe and their understanding to be true. We follow a variety of denominations based on their doctrines and beliefs as to who he is. The problem with this is that we put much more weight in what others believe than in what we know and experience ourselves. There's going to come a day when each of us will need to be able to answer a question that will be the determining factor of our eternity. This question Who do you say that Jesus is? And I don't want us to be confused in our answers of this question, so I'm going to try to help clear up a few things so, so that we can be sure that we answer this question with understanding. We can't answer this question by basing it on who we want him to be. Any of you ever done that? Gone after Jesus for what you want him to be? 
not who we make him out to be. Have you ever heard people say, well, I don't think God really means that. Or who we think he is. We must be deliberate and definitive of who he says that he is. Of who he says that he is. So I want to help and make sure that what we think is, in fact, what he says. Not what some pastor has told you. Not what some denomination has led you to believe. Not what the world disguises him as. Not based on your ideology. But in fact, I want you to come to the understanding to know who he is based on who he says he is. You know, reality in today's culture is often set up and we come to recognize or to understand reality is what we perceive it to be. That's today's culture. And unfortunately, the definition of reality is that which it is. It is definitely that which is. Reality is these are glasses. This is reality. It's not what we perceive them to be. So the question is raised again. Not who is Jesus according to your reality, but who is Jesus according to truth. C.S. Lewis, he's a a well-known scholar and and he put this thing out to give us a, instead of it being called a dilemma, it's called a trilemma. It's a trilemma. And this is what other people have called it when he began to discuss and he began to display who Jesus was and how we define it. It was basically the apologetics of the faith. And he said that uh, <laughs> there's only three ways that you can look at Jesus. So this morning, I'm going to give you three options. And these options, you have to make a decision. You're going to have to choose one of these three options. There is no other, there is no other option. And when we're talking about logic, I'm, I'm not talking about this fairy tale that the world puts out and says that, well, no one can ever know truth. Because you can know truth. We're not talking about the, the, the idea that everybody is right. Because in, in fact, there's either one person right and everybody else is wrong, or everybody is wrong. Not everybody can be right. Can't. We can go through the room and pick a subject and everyone would have a different input on that subject. Doesn't mean that everyone's right. Somebody is going to be right and somebody is going to be wrong. But we've lived in a society that now, oh, you're right. You you can't say that, well, Jesus is right for you. No. He is either right or he's not. You ever had that? People look and you go, well, Jesus is okay for you. I mean, gee, it's right for you. It just ain't right. Well, depends on how you base your logic. And I would have to ask you, where did you study logic? 
when you ask that question. Too many people are putting out too many different things for everybody to be right. So here's your options to consider when I ask you the question, who do you say Jesus is? One, he's a liar. He purposely deceived people into believing something that he himself did not believe to manipulate people to do something he wanted them to do. That would make him a liar. Number two is he's a lunatic. Now this isn't me. This is someone way greater than I. We're talking about Mr. Lewis. He's much more of a scholar than I'll ever be. So you can call him a lunatic. Any person who believes that they're truly God and that they aren't, definitely a lunatic. Number three, he was, he is, and he always will be. Exactly who he said he was. So today I'm giving you these three options and you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to walk out of here today. And you're going to make a decision whether Jesus Christ, the sent Messiah, was either a liar and you live however you like to live. Or he's a lunatic, and when you leave, just please have mercy on us lunatics that choose to follow him. (laughs) Or you bow your knee, and you recognize him as Jesus, the Messiah the Savior that was sent for you and I. Let's look at the liar. When someone gets caught in a lie, most cases they own up to it. I mean, if you're caught in it, you're caught in it. You're red-handed, you're done. You lied, everybody knows it, you lied. You lied. I would have to say that if you wasn't so ready to say that you lied, and I said your punishment is going to be the cross, And if you don't tell the truth, by the time we get to the cross, you die on the cross. I would have to venture to say, before I put the first nail in your hand, you're going to go, oh, 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 just kidding. It's not what I meant. It's not what I meant to say. It's not what I wanted to put out. That's not really, that. I'm, I'm really not the son of God. The lunatic, (laughs) some of the greatest scholars from his time up to today say there is nothing in literature like anything that was ever written in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, nothing. Jesus confounded the scholars of his time all the way through generations. A lunatic? I doubt it. 
Lord. Lord. Many would say different things of who he is because it's what they need to make themselves feel better in their shortcomings. Let's look at verse 14. This is after Jesus was asking his disciples. This wasn't just a, hey, who, who are people saying I am? This was a constant, always asking do people say that I am? And here's his answers. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and others Jeremiah. Even maybe possibly one of the prophets. Here's the problem. When we take Jesus and we bring him from his high place of who he is and we make him common among men, when you say, well, God understands my heart, after you've done. When, when we say, well, I don't really know that God really meant. See, you, you, can't, you can't take Jesus and find a shelf in your house and put him among all the men of this world. That makes him commonplace. Don't get me wrong. He calls you friend. I understand that. Be careful. How you treat. Your friend. See that's the problem with society now. The only reason that you're my friend. Is because you're benefiting me at the moment. outside of what I expect I'll defriend you <laughs> could it be possible that we would put Jesus in the same scenario let me okay Jesus answered a question. God, God sent an answer to prayer. He sent us the man that we married to. You know what I mean? He sent us, he sent us the man that we're married to. Answer to prayer. You See? Check this out. After you've been married a while or for a minute, you figure out real quick, is this really an answer to prayer? Or was this my stupidity? <laughs> and if you're not careful, we label this and we put Jesus in this. And I, I, I want us to understand, if Jesus doesn't answer you the way that you expected him to answer you, now all of a sudden, we begin looking for other avenues to receive answers in the prayers that we put up. God, I need a new house. So what am I going to do? I'm going to work five jobs because you ain't giving it to me fast enough. So now I'm going to work five jobs. I've caused turmoil inside the house. Kids done run amok. We must be careful. I mean, <laughs> I know that you're sitting there going, well, you know, <laughs> I mean, it probably wouldn't have been bad if somebody put me on the same shelf as John the Baptist. That's for you. My friend, listen to me. 
Jesus Christ is not your common man. You think you made him smile this morning when you came here? Because you decided to break up your day? Because at this moment in your life, you're serving the Jesus that you need in your life. (laughs) No. The one you want in your life. Come on. Y'all go dance with me this morning or what? Why is it when God puts out truth, man, we clam up back in our shells, maybe like a bunch of snails up in here. Pull ourselves back quick. Don't let him look at me. Here's the problem. We've made Jesus a way we've made Jesus a truth we've made Jesus a life when in fact my friend that is totally contrary to what he said. In fact, he said, I am the way. I'm the truth. And I'm the life. And not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, Not you, not me can come to the Father except through him. There is an erosion to Christianity. I'm sorry I'm not spitting. But there's an erosion to Christianity. Because we have invited in a gospel that has got to be compromised in order to attract what? A dying world? I'm going to compromise who Jesus is so it makes you feel good about yourself so you can come to church? I'm going to go home and eat ham and biscuits whether you come to church or not. So don't do it for my benefit. Do it for yours. There is a Jesus that we are serving, and I'm afraid that we've compromised. He's not a way. And anybody that tells you he's a way, he's a way far off from you, maybe. Now, before we go any further in this, because I don't, the, the last thing that I want to do is to leave you with three options and not give you understanding of those three options. We've talked about the liar and we've talked about the lunatic. I want to talk to you about the Lord. He's either one of the three. And I think that the facts that we find in God's word lead us to have to believe that he is exactly who he said he was. Okay? So let's do this. If Jesus is not the Messiah according to Scripture, then the Messiah that we spoken of or the Bible has spoken of will never come at all because all the promises in the word have failed. 
and they've not been fulfilled. Think about that for a minute. So the Jesus that you're serving now, is he the Messiah? Is he the Savior, or is he your Jesus? Because if he wasn't the Messiah, we're all damned to hell. Because there's no chance now. I'm going to show you why. If Jesus wasn't the one, there is no one. <laughs> Keep thinking you got second and third and fourth chances. Keep waiting on that Jesus. Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes, the peaceful one. There's another rendering of it, and they would like it to be known as his son comes, Shiloh. What is this saying? It's saying that Judah shall reign until the Messiah comes. Judah will be in reign until the Messiah comes. It's its tribal identity that was lost in 70 A.D., with the destruction of the temple. Judicial authority replaced with Roman government. For nearly two million or two millennia, there has been no reign of a ruler from the tribe of Judah. If Jesus is not the Christ, then God's promise has failed. And there's no chance a Messiah will come because the time has already passed. Okay? Daniel 9, 24 through 27 says that the city of Jerusalem was to be built seven weeks of years, that's 49 years, at the end of captivity. And the Messiah would appear 62 weeks of years, that would be 434 years, after the rebuilding of Jerusalem. This prophecy coincides perfectly with the timing of Jesus. If Jesus is not the Christ, then the promise of God in Daniel has failed because the time has run out and there's no opportunity for it to happen again. He was prophesied to be here in the first century. Malachi chapter 3 and Haggai chapter 2 teaches that the Messiah was to come while the second temple was still standing. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. If you haven't noticed on your calendar, it is 2019. Isaiah 11.1 says there shall come there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. Jesus appeared at such a time. If Jesus is not the Messiah, then there never can be a Messiah. Because even the root of Jesse has been destroyed with the destruction of the temple. You guessed it. In 70 A.D. Daniel chapter 9, 27. Y'all okay? You getting the facts? Because I'm going to ask you three questions. Messiah would confirm the new covenant and put an end to sacrificial system. This has always caused me to puzzle. Because you do... How can you be of Jewish descent and you're still waiting on the Messiah? 
and there is no sacrificial system in the temple. Come on. Y'all dance with me a little bit. They're still waiting on the Messiah. That means that all of their customs are still in play, including the sacrificial custom. Guess when it stopped? You guessed it. 70 A.D. leads me to believe and I must believe I have to believe there's nothing that can alter my decision in my belief Jesus is he was and he always will be the Messiah son of David son of God the anointed, the lamb, the king, the lion, the door, the rose of Sharon. He is the Messiah. Now what people say about him shouldn't mean anything to you. The question is, who do you say Jesus is? Now what I don't want to do is lead you to believe this, that Christianity is a moral and an ethical religion. I don't want you to say that, okay, Pastor, give me some information this morning. I'm choosing to say that Jesus is who he said he was. I'm going to go out and buy the book of laws, the Bible. And I'm, because that's what it turns, listen. (laughs) When we read the Bible, and we're reading the Bible to find out what my don'ts are supposed to be. It's no longer Christianity. It's become legalism and a lie. And it's religion. I want you to understand something. I, I don't care if you go and buy the Bible today. You live the best life that you've ever lived from today until the day of judgment. You'll still stand before God condemned. Oh, come on, religion, stand up. I love it. I love it. Because there is nothing you can do. We have fallen into such religion and legalism that we think that us, along with Jesus, will get us to heaven. Wrong. You, listen. So it's homework for you. You think of the one time of your best deed in your life ever. You think of one time the, the best words that you've ever spoken. And you think of one time the best worship you ever give God. And you put all three of those together, put them in a bag at the house. And you sit and ponder over those three. Because if you take those three with you to heaven, and that's the only, this bag is going to be your representation to God on judgment day. This bag. Let's just, just play along. 
if this is what's going to happen, if God says, okay, look, I know you couldn't be perfect, but this is what I want you to do. I want you to go through your life and you find the three best things you've ever done in your life and you put them in a bag and you bring them to heaven with you when the resurrection takes place. Or when the second coming takes place, right? So when that takes place, you stand in front of God. And all you, all you have to worry about are those three things that you got to choose to put in that bag. You walk before the king, and you get to open your bag. Newsflash. You're condemned. You'll be thrown out of his presence, and you'll go to hell. On your three best merits, the only three that you can be judged by, We have forgotten that it took Jesus. Y'all have heard about him being in the garden and how he cried and, and he wailed and he was so full of anguish and, and just so stressed out that he was, he was sweating blood and he kept crying out to God, if this cup can pass, take it. And three times he was told, nope, nope, and nope. God, not my will, but yours. Do you really think Jesus was scared to die on a cross? The disciples, <laughs> the disciples took it as an honor. <laughs> I'll be crucified like Christ. Did they not? They took it as an honor. So if they weren't scared to die, how could you ever think that he was afraid to die? He wasn't afraid of the lance in his side. Least of his worries. See, what we don't understand is there was such a relationship. It was so intertwined, the love that would go in all of itself flawlessly between Jesus and God and he knew there was a day that his father would separate himself he was punished for you God cast judgment on his own son. For you. So when you have second thoughts about running astray or doing something crazy, I don't think about that. Who do you say? See, here's the confusion. Here's the confusion. Because if we was to go outside and walk the street and pick up conversation with people, there would be many people that would tell me they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But will I find the fruits therein? You know what religion done right there? Said, That's exactly what I want you to talk about, so this is how I'm going to talk about it. You might believe. And if the fruits aren't there, that means the relationship isn't. See, religion thought there for a moment, I was going to talk about, you have to tell them they have to be good and they have to do. And no, I ain't. I'm saying you've worked out your relationship. Do you carry the fruits? 
of the Jesus you serve. Are those the fruits that you display? Do people sit and look at you and go, I knew there was something different. Or they look at you and go, you speak in tongues too? Mm-hmm. Did God talk to you every day? Mm-hmm. He don't talk to you. Or do they look at you and don't talk to me about that. You was at the bar with me last night. Uh-oh, pastor talked about drinking. I, no, I never said drinking take you to hell. Never did. Here again, listen, personal relationship. You read the scripture. You search out your relationship with the Jesus, not your Jesus. Don't you dare come to me. And tell me I can lay up with somebody all week and come to church and praise him on Sunday and everything's all good. Or I can stay drunk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or I can hit some weed and get high all the time and then just a couple hours on Sunday. Look, you ain't been nowhere close to Jesus all week long. And now all of a sudden, whoop, glory. Is it your Jesus? Who is it you say Jesus is? You've got, you have to answer this question one day. You've got to answer this question. Guys, listen. Life is not a game. You live and you die. What happens to you after that is totally dependent upon this answer to this question. Who do you say Jesus is? He wasn't just a prophet. He was the prophet. Matter of fact, he was more, even more than the prophet. There was, a, there was a guy that wrote something, and he said that Jesus was so bad that it would take somebody bigger and better than Jesus to make Jesus. <laughs> Get you some of that one. He's not only... The Son of God. If you look on down probably in verse 21 of Matthew, if you look down to like verse 21, you'll, you'll start to see where he begins to tell his disciples what's going to be taking place, that he's going to have to go, that he's going to have to die, and three days later he's going to raise himself again. Now we're not talking about the prophet now. We're not talking about the Son of God now. We're talking about the Redeemer. He took the sins of the world. Lord knows I put him in a couple tandem truck. He had to carry mine. And he's still making trips in a couple dump trucks every once in a while. Stopping by the house. Throw him in the back, Rocky. I got it. I'll see you here in a little while. Yes, sir. All right, Daddy, I'm waiting on you. I'm, my, hey, can I take a ride with you? <laughs> Who is Jesus to you? We don't really think about that. We don't contemplate that. Oh, we'll say his name in a minute. But is he who you say he is? Or is he who you think he is? Did you conjure up a Jesus on your own somewhere along? And listen, I can't blame you because of the gospel that's being preached.
Jesus came to give us life and that we would have life more abundantly. Here's the problem with that statement. We think too much. We think too much outside of that that it's our life. But Galatians 2.20 says something different. It's not the life that I live now that's mine. It's the one that died for me. That's the life I live. We've allowed people to make up Jesus, man. See, I, I can't come to you and give you all this fancy stuff and articulate this thing and put it's just not who I am I'm just I want to hit you with the truth and let you know there's only one way to the father and that's through Jesus and it's not the one that you've conjured up in your mind that makes you feel good when you come to church on Sunday the Jesus I'm talking about sometimes make you feel bad good morning church Look, if you don't get slapped at least once a day, you're lying. You're lying about something. You're lying about serving God or you're lying that he didn't correct you. Because the Holy Spirit's on his game. You might not be, but the Holy Spirit is on his game. I don't know about you. I don't think that he's going to have to worry about when he goes up there with us. I don't think he's going to have to stand out there with us. I think he's going to be standing beside Jesus going, try to tell him. Oh, I, know, I told him that on September the 30th, 1995. Matter of fact, let me go through my iPhone. Right there it is, Jesus. See, y'all keep playing. He don't forget. Listen, oh, here's a good point. God's righteous. And he's loving. But he's righteous. What does that mean? With God being righteous and holy, that means he can't forgive you. <laughs> Religion win. <laughs> he can't. Oh, uh, right. Okay. You go to court and a judge brushes the stuff under the rug. Do you call him righteous? No. What do you call him? So come, come on. Come on, visit me for a minute. Because God is righteous and he's holy, he can't forgive you. I'll let you swirl up in that one a little bit because I got people getting mad right now turning blue. <laughs> if God was to forgive you in your sin, he wouldn't be a righteous God because he said that the wages of sin, Pastor, you can't leave us sitting right there. I've still got questions. That's why he sent his son, Jesus. That's why he sent his only son. He loved you so much that he said, I can't forgive you in the state that you're in and you'll never be good enough. Because see, we, we think on one side of the street or the other. We either think about not doing bad all the time, with me, or doing good all the time. That's the only way we can think. Jesus done good while not doing bad. He, he lost you, didn't he? He lost me too when I went, ooh. Because I got to think both. Show you how to walk this thing just like this. So could you imagine you dying on the cross for your sin? Think you could have been forgiven? 
without the Jesus, you're condemned to hell. Hear me. Play the game. Walk your life. Be who you are. And think you running things. I got news for you. I used to think I ran things too. Without Jesus in your life, you're condemned to hell. So don't run and get you a book and start reading it thinking that's going to take you to heaven because you've done all the right things. But God, I cast out demons in your name. Let me throw a qualifier in here for you real quick just to get you on the same level because I got your attention. When's the last time you cast out a demon? See, you don't even have that in your satchel. You don't even get to look at him and say, well, I cast out demons in your name. I laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Let me ask you a question real quick. When's the last time you laid hands on somebody that was sick? And they, I ain't talking about somebody said, oh, I got a headache. And you laid hands on them, give them a cup of coffee. They went, oh, I feel so good. <laughs> I'm talking about when's the last time you laid hands on somebody? And the sick come out of a wheelchair. The sick come out of a bed in a hospital. Uh-oh, we don't have that one to put in a satchel. You know what the words were? Depart from me. I never knew you. Is he going to know you? So when you're walking out this Christian walk, don't walk it according and based on what you've heard, what's been preached. Based on what you know. <laughs> Peter, you done good. You done good. But do you understand what you said? You said the right thing. You said, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Christ. You done good. You done good. Do you understand what you said? Because flesh and blood didn't reveal. You didn't figure this thing out. I got a pile of books in there, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like to read. You're lucky I get up here. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't like to read. That is my nemesis. Got a pile of books in there that's written by people that have minds that are far beyond what I'll ever have. You can think bad of me if you like. That's one reason why I don't even like to read them. I don't want to know what they have to say.
I want to know what it is God has to I'm not downing you for going to school and getting an education. If I say that, my wife's going to beat me up when I get home because she's going to school too. My daughter would disown me. My son would walk away. I mean, I get it. I'll be the dumbest one in the house. But I'll promise you this. I'll know that I know that I know who the Jesus is that I serve. Don't get caught up in a compromising gospel, people. Don't think this thing is going to work out for your good. Don't, listen, don't think that you can do your life the way you want to do your life and everything's all good. It's not. You either live for him or you live for him. I'll make a plan. You either live for Jesus or you live for Satan. It's one or the other. You're either going to heaven or you're going to hell. It's that simple. It's that simple. And man, I mean, this gospel that we're talking about right now is so simple. I'm telling you, you don't have to walk a perfect life. You just have to have a good relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen. Now, if he tells you, go clean your room, go clean your room. If he tells you to get that trash out your mouth, get that trash out your mouth. I mean, we could go to Colossians. I, good book to go to <laughs> in your relaxation. You want just a reader. Go to Colossians. It'll tell you how to clean up the old man and put on the new. See, we, <laughs> well, we, we, we all good, man. We are good. We went to church. Done a couple Hail Marys. Had some Lord's suppers. Suppers. Took one in the morning and one when I was leaving. Making sure I'm good for the week. You go out the house. You own Facebook. Trashing people. And think it's okay. I got to the point now, I just got to go. Nothing on there. Off. But if I catch your name, I go. <laughs> Back up. Then I go grab a couple Tylenols and about 800 milligrams of ibuprofen. Go sit on the back deck and go, Lord Jesus, what am I supposed to do with this one? Big brother's always watching. See, that's why I don't like getting on there. Sometimes, listen, my fingers get a little loose too. Not my tongue, my fingers. If you believe Jesus is the Messiah, what does it mean to you? What does it mean to you?
tough question, isn't it? See, the easiest part of this whole thing was you get to answer three questions. You can answer these pretty easily after what we went through. Is he a liar? Well, there's a couple that believe he isn't. Good for you. Is he a lunatic? A few more believe he's not a lunatic. Is he Jesus, the Messiah? And a few of you believe that. See how it, that works? Because I got excited when I had to make the choice. Is he a liar? No. He couldn't have been a, I'm not going to go to the cross lying. I'm going to change my mind real quick. definitely not a lunatic and with the way he spoke he spoke generations beyond these people so that had to lead me to believe after proof of scripture I mean this was the only man in history that was foretold of who he would be what his name would be called who he would come through, his lineage, the time. It lined up. So when you walk out today, you got a choice. And today might be the last day you get to make this choice. Look, don't, don't, don't. Don't make me put you in front of some other people that have gone through the experience of here one minute, gone the next. You think you got it? Has it sunk in? Do you know who the Jesus is that you serve? Has it sunk in? Because you're serving one of two Jesuses. You're serving the one that everybody else says he was. You've made him common. You give no regard. There's no honor. There's no worship. There's no relationship. Or you're serving the one that said, I am the Son of God. If you've Seen me, you've seen the Father. So there's only one or two. There's all kinds of religions out there talking to you about Jesus. They tell you that he's a prophet. Oh, they believe that he's the Son of God, but he was brought about because. God and some female got together in heaven and fabricated a boy. Oh, come on. You don't talk to them people when they come and knock on your door. See, y'all figured out that one real quick, didn't you? Everybody says, no, lights out, down, down. You ought to talk to them. It might intrigue you. You know what's intriguing to me about it? Is they know more about their faith than I do about mine. <laughs> and they know more about their faith than you know about yours too. Don't you point fingers and throw rocks at me. They're convinced. They're convinced based on a denomination that's been fed generations, and they've been taught by theology of man based on their understanding and what they believe is the truth and they go right into it because they don't know any better and if you're not careful call yourself a Christian or not you can end up the same way if you compromise your belief on who Jesus is my friend you have denied Christ. See, y'all like hearing that kind of gospel either. 
But he said, you're either for me or you against me. You're either my friend or you're my enemy. It's one, I don't know about you. I don't want to be an enemy. I don't know about you. I don't want to be known as the one that denied Christ. So when you compromise how you live for the hopes of people to like you, remember this. You chose them over Jesus. Jesus.